We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. Toby Rowland joins us. We'll recap the Baylor win in just a bit. But we uh, just wrapped up taping TV that we usually tape on Tuesdays. We did it on a Monday, so my whole week's going to be thrown off. I I don't know. Obviously, the bye week is a time to kind of reset, catch your breath a little bit. But, oh, my gosh, my my – at least normal schedule for the last couple weeks is completely thrown haywire. I'm not going to know what day it is. I apologize when I call you on Friday thinking it's Thursday or Saturday thinking we're supposed to be at a game. Up is down. Cats and dogs. I, I'm going to be Pull thrown off together, all weekend. Pull it together, for Pete's sake. It's, You're falling apart. It's, and it's only the first segment. It's only the first segment of the podcast. Uh, first and foremost, welcome in. Thank you for subscribing and downloading. Uh, we say hello to the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, who you can follow on Twitter, at T-Row-O-U. I'm at Plank Show, and, of course, everybody should be following us at OU on the air and at Sooner Sports TV. I, f- I found it interesting, Toby, listening to your radio show, and we discussed this, the amount of reaction we had based on Saturday night. Uh, obviously, I gave you a bit of a theory as to why. I just think some people felt like they had things they needed to, to talk through or, or get off their chest, not necessarily – angry but why do you think there's been so much fallout from Saturday night for Oklahoma within the fan base because I think they thought it would be easy um I'm I'm not pointing fingers I thought it would be easier yeah, yeah, than me it was too. Right. based on what we saw to Baylor so far this year um you know they lost at home to Liberty <laughs> and UTSA 
and surely from what we've seen out of Oklahoma so far, this this was going to be a walk in the park, and it started that way. It was 14 nothing. But then Baylor started having some success uh, throwing the ball against OU, and that's a little disconcerting. They haven't, I think, uh, Zach Smith completed 34% of his passes or 36% of his passes on the year coming into Saturday, and then almost for 500 yards. So, um, you know, that's worrisome. Certainly it's the first uh, team that really throws the ball a lot that Oklahoma's faced this year, and so you hope that's not a sign of things to come. You hope it's fixable and, and not a sign that Oklahoma has some secondary issues. So, and it was undecided, you know, right really down until the strip sack by Obo. That game was hanging in the balance. I mean, it, it was a game in which Oklahoma was a four-touchdown favorite, and it came to an onside kick with a minute 40 left before, and they got it. So it was even later than that before that thing was decided. So I get it. I, I understand why people were um, displeased or disappointed with with how that game uh, turned out. On the other hand, I think you got to take a step back, and I think Lincoln Riley kind of led the charge on this Saturday night and say, never look a gift horse in the mouth. You know, I mean, a win is a win. And some are better than others. Well, especially on the road in conference play and get a win and feel bad about it. Those are hard. And all you got to do is look around the country at some other teams who didn't play their best on Saturday, and now they've got a loss to show for it. Yeah. Some of those teams were – college football playoff challengers who now have a loss. If you could play less than your best and still get a win, as long as you learn from it, then that's not the worst thing in the world. So hopefully that's what happens Saturday. This team's 4-0. They're ranked number three in the country. They've still got the best win in the nation this year at Iowa State. And uh, they've got room for improvement. And now uh, Baylor has helped them by showing them some, some areas where they got to get better. I made a egregious error the first year we did play-by-play. Maybe it was the first or the second. I, I can't remember. And we had just played at Kansas. And in Kansas, obviously struggling in football. I remember afterwards, it was, a, it was a little closer throughout, I think, than some people thought the Sooners pulled away. And I made the mistake of saying, well, Coach, Bob Stoops at the time, I guess anyone's a good win, you know, trying to kind of get a chuckle, and he – he looked right at me. He goes, "Why wouldn't it be?" And from that moment forward, it was that reinforcement that, "Hey, yeah, you, know, you can be upset about the way a game went, but in the end, when you get that W, that's all that matters." Now, that's not sugarcoating anything because if you go back to Saturday night, you hit it on the head, Toby. Lincoln Riley said right away, "Hey, we we've got things that we need to work on, and we know where those are." Um, and and I I think the 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 part of it that's reassuring for me is that I think the guys they have can get it done. You know, I don't think it's one of these issues where you come away and you're like, well, they just they got to get better players here. No, I, I think they've, they've got better players in the positions where they need to be, and it's just a matter now of executing better. It's not like I'm – obviously, if, depending on the injury to Jordan Thomas, that, that's one thing. But you feel good about a Robert Barnes when he's 100% healthy and the way that he's progressed in that secondary, and Stephen Park, and Clil Houghton uh, has, has played better as well too. So – 
I think that's something for me to this whole process is with the way that they've recruited over the last couple of years. This wasn't a game Saturday night where you came away and said, oh, they, they got to get better players here at this position. It's just a matter of the depth from an injury perspective. But Toby, I feel real good about this roster going forward and learning from Saturday night defensively. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think football's funny in that the season is so short. And, I mean, you know, not in length, but in number of games. And then you have a week to digest everything you saw that it just kind of lends itself <laughs> to all of this talk. Yeah. If you think of baseball, you're a Dodgers fan, I'm a Reds fan. You know, the Reds are no good. If, if the Reds go win a game 3-1, to one, I'm thrilled. If they win it 13-11, to 11, I'm thrilled. <laughs> I don't care what the score was. I just want them to win it. Now, if they give up 10 or more runs in, you know, five consecutive games, then I can draw the conclusion we got some pitch, pitching issues going on here. But to win, let's move on. We play again tomorrow. Football is not quite like that, you know. I mean, football, you play 12 games, hopefully 13 or 14. But that's not a bunch. And so you kind of draw these big arching conclusions based on what you see on a Saturday. Well, right. OU's yeah. really got this or OU doesn't have that or whatever. And sometimes it helps to kind of collectively step back and look at what, what do we really know, not through one game but through four games. I think if, if OU's biggest issue is Jordan Thomas this year, which is the ire of a lot of the talk coming out of Saturday, because he got burned a couple of times. Yeah. I think they're in pretty good shape. <laughs> if Jordan if Jordan Thomas is the problem, then I think OU's in pretty good shape because I know that kid has a proven track record of making plays. I mean, the stats are there. Got seven interceptions and 25, 26 career passes broken up. Um, he's a really good football player. Now, he got burned a couple of times on Saturday. Parnell Motley's going to get burned sometime this year. Uh, probably so is almost every defensive back in the country. So hopefully he learns from it and comes back and doesn't make the same mistake. One of them, I think, was just an unbelievable throw. And the other one, I think Jordan made a mistake on. But I feel differently than say a year ago when it looked like the weak spot was some un, you know some unproven guys. We didn't know if there was an answer there. Um, so yeah, forty-one points is not something they want to do every week. But they were coming into that game on a string of five consecutive games in which they had allowed their opponents twenty points or less. So I mean, I guess I guess for me. I don't want to give anybody else out there advice on how they should feel, but for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to hit the panic button till I see if this is a regular issue. If teams continuously light them up with passing with their passing game, or if this was a night in which Oklahoma had a bad night in the secondary, and and we'll look back at it as an aberration. I hope that's the case. Yeah, and you know Mike Stoops said it afterwards, and. Like I said, we just got done taping Spotlight as we record this podcast. Uh, I, they're they're dinged up now in that secondary as well, too. And, you know, you hope this week allows them to get some guys healthy. You know, a name that I absolutely fell in love with. You know, I, there's two guys on this team that, I'll be honest, we do the signing day show. 
and I fell in love with the tape. I try not to, Toby. This is always one of those life lessons, which is don't fall in love with high school tape, you know, as a fan. Let the coaches deal with that. But I fell in love with Trey Sermon, and so far that's worked out so well, uh, pretty well. And I fell in love with Imani Bledsoe. And, you know, I, I, I would assume, and this is an assumption by me, that you – place him back into that mix, a defensive line to help give you a little bit of depth. You get Matt Romar back, your most experienced defensive tackle. Devontae Lampkin gets another week of practice and, and, and another game experience underneath his belt after missing two of the first three games. So your hope is that you can also continue to improve on the defensive line because – you know, there's really one guy that's been a disruptor so far, and that that's Obo. And I know he's constantly challenging himself to find different moves, to find different ways to get after the quarterback. But I would say that's one area, too, to where, hey, I, I think we can say help is on the way, and I think it's just going to get better because the more you can make that quarterback uncomfortable, even if it's dialing up blitzes, the better that you give your safe your safeties and your corners an opportunity to cover up if indeed you start and you will start seeing more of these passing offenses. Yeah, it's all, you know, any defensive coach or defensive player will tell you it's all in unison back there. And anytime somebody has a big night through the air, it's not necessarily all the secondary's fault. Right. It's, uh, it's the responsibility of the guys up front to get pressured and make it difficult on the quarterback so that he has to hurry to throw. And I think you saw that in the fourth quarter. And that's kind of, you know, that's an encouraging thing coming out of this game. Both sides of the ball, when it came to winning time in the fourth quarter, Stepped took up. care of business. Yep, absolutely. Um, you know, OU ran the ball all over Baylor in the fourth quarter, and they dialed up the pressure and repeatedly came after Zach Smith, and his completion percentage went way down there in the fourth quarter. He got that late touchdown drive. Maybe that was a touchdown. Maybe it wasn't. But he got that late touchdown drive. But other than that, you know, a significant number of his incompletions came in the fourth quarter. So that's encouraging. Maybe they found something that late to take and build. By the way, you, you've mentioned that. That's been a hot topic of conversation. I was listening to our buddy Teddy Lehman on his radio show, and I uh, was listening on our flagship as well, too. There seem to be quite a few people that feel like that was uh, that was an incomplete pass late in the game because of the bobble. Uh, again, like you said, Oklahoma won. But, man, I – down on the field, there were several instant replay situations to where I got to be honest, Toby, uh, I wasn't real clear what they were looking at or what they were looking for, and then I wasn't real sure how they came up with the conclusion that they did. And a couple of times, you know, Baylor did not show a couple of the replays that we thought would go against them on the on the big screen. That's fine. I'm not pointing any fingers, but it just seemed like it wasn't a really good night for either the replay official or at times the the, the referees in general. I mean. Oklahoma had 10 penalties called against them. 10. And a lot of those were holding calls as well, too. So I'm not here to, to make excuses, but it just as far as the oddities from Saturday night, that was that was kind of an odd situation just in general. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much an even-steven believer in, you know, if you get a bad bounce in a baseball game, that probably means one's coming your way. If you get a bad break, one's the good news for Sooner fans is I think there are some calls coming their way because <laughs> I I think Parnell Motley intercepted that pass in the end zone against Ohio State. I don't think C.D. Lamb targeted uh, the guy that Tulane player. Yeah, and I don't think that was a completed pass in the back of the end zone the other night. I think the guy's foot was on the line. But what do I know? I'm a radio guy. I'm not a replay official. 
So maybe they got them all right. To me, it looked like they got them all wrong, and hopefully that means the Sooners are due some breaks. You know, at, 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 we're we're at I guess you could say what the third we're, we're a third of the way through the season. My math is never good, so four of twelve. Hopefully, there's a Big Twelve championship game, and and then two more games after that. So you got more to come. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, if if there is one word or one sentence that would go in your opinion, Toby, to kind of describe this team. But I got one I wanted to throw out, and I know it's cheesy, and I and I know that some might disagree, but I, I've already noticed this year this is a very resilient team. And they had an opportunity even, for goodness sakes, in both the UTEP and Tulane games to where if they didn't adjust, they could have allowed those teams to stay in the game a lot longer than they had any business being in those games. Uh, what Ohio State did to come out in the third quarter and score on their first drive to bounce back. Um, look look at Saturday night. Baylor took the lead in that game in the third quarter. But yet this team, Toby, if there is a, an adjective that kind of fits for me, I've noticed there's a lot of resiliency in this team from what I see down on the sidelines. Now, is that me being uh, – uh, an over-the-top homer, or do you see a team that you think is pretty resilient so far through the first four as well? No, I think that's good. I think that's a good word for them. Uh, I, I've noticed that as well, and uh, that's certainly a good characteristic to have, especially in this sport where uh, yep. you never know uh, you know, when an injury can bite you at any position. I, I think the thing that jumps out at me uh, so far is how – multifaceted they are on offense. Love it. Um, they're going to score 45 on you, you know, pretty much every game. But certainly now that we're in the Big 12 play. I would pencil in Oklahoma's getting to 45 pretty much every day. Uh, just, it doesn't matter what you do. Baker Mayfield completed 13 passes the other night, 13, and they scored 49 points. <laughs> and they did it because they – had 350 rushing yards yep. from Abdul Adams and Trey Sermon. So they can do so many different things well on offense. They've got a Heisman caliber quarterback. They've got um, a really nice collection of pass catchers from a fullback in Dimitri Flowers that's a deadly weapon out of the backfield to C.D. Lamb, to Mark Andrews, to Jeff Bidette, who could just fly, to Marquise Brown, to uh, Abdul Adams coming out of the backfield, and Marcellius Hutton. I'm leaving people out. They've got a really eclectic and fun collection of toys for Baker to throw it to. And then I love the way this backfield is developing. And it's I'm not sure I've seen anything quite like it before. I think the direction they're going is what you saw on Saturday, where – Adams and Sutton, to some extent, are their first two-and-a-half, three-quarter guys. And Sermon is like a baseball closer. He comes in to finish you off when your defense is already tired. And there's just, you know, what are you going to stop? I mean, if you're a defensive coordinator, what are you going to try to take away? Because, you know, if you, if you drop 7-8 just to try to help with Baker – they're certainly good enough with that offensive line and those backs to just run over you. And if you commit more guys to try to stop the run, that quarterback is certainly good enough to carve you up. So if you know that going into any game, we're going to score 40 to 50 points, that other team better have an amazing offensive night to beat you. Now, there are some teams capable of that. 
Right? TCU and Oklahoma State have big-time offenses, maybe West Virginia. Who knows about potentially if they could get into the postseason, who they would see there. There are some teams with good offenses out there, so what, Oklahoma's going to have to be good on defense. They're going to have to correct some things and all that kind of stuff. But, man, what an advantage when you go into every game knowing – we're, we're probably going to score 40 to 50 tonight. <laughs> let's, see what, let's see what you're going to do. So that's, and that's, that's been the trait of a Lincoln-Riley offense, and honestly before him around here for a long time. I mean, we've been spoiled by some pretty amazing offensive teams here over the last couple of decades, and it looks like this is another one. Great stuff, Toby. I'm sure I'll be calling you Saturday whenever I panic, thinking that we have a game, but uh... – I hope you guys have a safe trip. I hope you enjoy one of your last off Saturdays until what, like May? I hate to point that out, but um, should I think? And, and by the way, to add to it, I think this bye week comes as a, at a good time for this team too. I, that's just kind of how I feel about it. But regardless, uh, Toby, appreciate it, man. We'll catch up with you next Monday and have fun. All right, see you, Chris. All right, so from Toby Rowland, the voice of the Sooners, let's welcome in. I guess you could say one of the faces. Of the Sooners, Jessica Cootie caught up with Jess earlier. She was in Waco on Saturday night, asked her what really stood out as far as the Sooners' performance against Waco to her. How impressive Trey Sermon was only coming in in the fourth quarter and the fact that they you know, wanted him to be in that situation, that's who they chose to be in that situation, that's your freshman, and then to see what he did, probably that was my number one takeaway. How it, every single week it seems like there's an, another guy that steps up. You know, Mar- Marquise Brown last week, uh, go back even to, to week two, and, oh, geez, you pick. Uh, Trey Sermon had emerged in week two. Uh, week one it was a myriad of guys. But then the reemergence of Trey is what stood out to me, Jess, and I know this isn't breaking any news, but there was a point on Saturday where I was really wondering if he was okay. Because he hadn't stepped on the field outside of, I think he has some special teams responsibilities. But, man, that that closer role, he had 12 carries and broke 12 tackles. How insane is that? Yeah, and had a career day. And, you know, but not to mention that also Bill Adams had a career day. So it's kind of like, you know, again, kind of pick your poison and which kind of guy has got the hot hand. And I think we're going to see that a lot. You know, I think you might see – one day it might be, um, you know, Abdul Adams, and, and it was for a while, and then it was all of a sudden, um, you know, Trey Sermon's turn. And, and so I, I really don't think that will be the last time we see something like that happen where it's, you know, kind of starts off with one person, maybe somebody else finishes the job, or, you know, depending on what they need from somebody. I mean, how fast is Abdul Adams? It's incredible, isn't it? And you talk about bounce backs. Look at the way that he's recovered since Ohio State. And I know that it was just one fumble, but what did what – That can really haunt somebody for a while. Thank you. I mean, Jay Bulware, we had him on Coach's Corner, I think following the Ohio State game, and he even brought that up. He goes, you know, that's an unacceptable thing on our team in our room in general is just putting the ball on the ground, and that goes back to Bob Stoops. He viewed that as unacceptable, but – I'm with you, Jess. That's something that can haunt you. That's something that can kind of mess with you in the way that he protected the football. And then, hey, come on. What more can you say about a 99-yard touchdown run? What a phenomenal day for the Sooner backfield. Well, I talked to Bill Adams after that, the Tulane game. Um, he was our player with heart because of that very thing. You know, he had to fumble. 
and then he comes out and, and kind of responds. And, and I kind of asked him, you know, you have that fumble, which I know is just, like you said, unacceptable. And, you know, he said, I, I had to forget about it. Like, I can't. I refused to dwell on it starting Monday at practice. You know, it was over. Couldn't do anything about it. The only thing I could do is get better and, and be better from it. So, you know, he kind of forgot about it. And I think that that was pretty important. Um, you know, you can't dwell on it. And I think he kind of, which I think shows the maturity, which is kind of because he's still a pretty young guy. And, yep. and to be able to say, no, I, I knew that I once practice started on Monday, there was no more uh, kind of dwelling on it. And that's what he did. And so... Yeah, I, it, was, uh, it was. I was glad to see him kind of come out and, you know, two di- games in a row kind of have big games because, um, you know, I think I think he's certainly one of the um, nicest players on the team for sure. He's he's been great to deal with on my end as far as interviews and anything like that media goes. And so, for me, on a personal sake, I I was glad to see him kind of respond from that in that way yeah how great is it to have a player that when he walks out of the locker room the first thing he does is he comes to you and say hey you need me I think I just I love that kid you're absolutely right and to see him rush for 164 yards I know when you have a 99 yard run that that's going to help the yards per carry average but you had Abdul at 14.9 per carry you had Trey Sermon at 12.3 uh, overall, the Sooners as a team averaged 8.6 yards per carry. They ran the ball 40 times and only threw it 19. I mean, if if you're still in this mindset that it's an air raid offense, Jess, I think that the – I almost said the multiplicity. That's not the word I'm looking for. The balance of this offense and the ability to do both well when called upon. You know, Baylor, they had success running the football. They stayed with it, and it was pretty cool to see. Yeah, and again, just kind of how these are the type of players that, I mean, not that, obviously, not that Lincoln Riley wouldn't work with Samaj P. Ryan or Joe Mixon. I think it was obvious, but, you know, these running backs are the type of players that he kind of recruited that kind of fit. They want them to do everything, and that's what Jay Bulware said in, in training camp. Like, this is a group that, um, you know, literally, you know, from – the get-go when they started recruiting them, these are the kinds of players that really fit this offense. And, um, yeah, it was pretty funny. I don't know if you heard my conversation. I, I was talking to Dimitri, and he felt like he should be included in the reward of the offensive line um, for their performance. And so he said, we better be getting something. And then, you know, um, I, Trey Sermon, I, I was talking to him, and he said, I'm, I'm sure I'm glad that, I get to split it with somebody because both Abdul and Trey had big days, and so they were going to tag team it on the plane. I was asking uh, Orlando, I said, have you guys figured out uh, what you want from the running backs yet? And he said, you know, I really want some peanut butter cookies. (laughs) And so I said, so which one would you want to bake those, Trey or Abdul? He said, definitely Trey. I don't trust Abdul in the kitchen. (laughs) So um, it'll be interesting to see if they follow through and and, – Jess, we don't know much about Jordan Thomas's injury. Lincoln Riley did not hold a, will not hold a press conference on Monday today, uh, as I guess kind of typifies the bye week. So, with that in mind, is there any concern about that back end for this defense right now? Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think you know, uh, I, I'm, when I talked to Obo at, at the end of the game, you know, I said bye week coming at a good time, and he said, yeah, definitely, and. That was kind of a lot of people had said the same thing. I mean, 
you know, you've got a lot of people that are, are kind of banged up, but not not really bad, you know. I mean, again, like you said, not sure what the, the Jordan Thomas injury is. It, it looked to be when he was um, kind of going off the field, something on the foot. So, um, you know, again, who knows? Don't want to speculate anything. But I, I think they're very excited about some of those younger corners that they have backing up there. And hopefully here at, you get through the bye week and then, you know, that uh, week leading up to Iowa State, you get some guys back. But, you know, I think that's one position that they, um, you know, maybe maybe they're getting a little bit thin now being with uh, Jordan Parker and Jordan Thomas out. But at, going into the season, they were very – very excited about the depth that they had at that position. So, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm not too worried about it at the moment. Um, I think, you know, again, you you got to buy a week to, to try to get some guys healthy, and, and we'll see if, you know, some of those other guys get back. Robert Barnes, um, that's a safety position as well. I, I'm not sure what the Will Johnson situation is, is either, but I mean, you think you got a lot of guys that are that are pretty banged up there in that secondary, so hopefully this bye week we'll get some guys um, back and, and ready to go. And I think the early returns were pretty good for, for Trey Norwood, who saw a lot of playing time. Trey Brown, I believe, was out there quite a bit as well, too, and you know, these are true freshmen. <laughs> these are true. These aren't redshirt freshmen. These are true freshmen being called upon, and that's a tough spot. But from everything that I saw, it looked like they performed pretty well. Yeah, it was a good first test as well. I mean, you know, Baylor's got some pretty pretty good wide receivers. So uh, you got to think if you saw, you know, their first really big playing time um, was against you know, wide receivers like that, you got to yeah. think at least maybe they got a taste of it. Because that was one thing Ovo said is, look, we've been trying to tell people all week that, you know, yes, we saw Ohio State, yes, we've seen, but there's nothing that really kind of compares to what you're going to see at these Big 12 offenses and, you know, some of the receivers that they have. And so, you know, he felt like maybe they needed to get a little taste of, of what, what it's going to be like. And so hopefully that will kind of uh, maybe give them a little bit of a wake-up call of what to it that moving forward when you're facing some of these offenses. Jess, one final thought. You know, Lincoln Riley was fairly critical of himself in the second quarter, and uh, a lot of people have have pointed to, well, maybe they shouldn't have gone with the onside kick. I like the idea. I love the idea of feeling like you've got a team on the ropes, going for a knockout blow. Coaches are always going to be critical of themselves uh, first over everything else, but Man, if you just want to look at one play from Saturday night that I kind of I dug that mindset. They didn't get it. It was it seemed like it was a pretty well executed uh, idea from from the perspective of having a chance to recover it. If it's a little bit better kick, I think Jordan Thomas gets it easy inbounds. But I love that man. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was funny to hear the. I was up in the press box at the time, and it's funny to hear the reaction. You know, normally the press box is really quiet and not very many. It's, it's dead silent, and um, there was kind of some rumblings after that, like, <laughs> okay, what are we doing here? So, um, yeah, I mean, that's going to, to try to, like you said, throw the knockout punch, and, um, you know, luckily it, it didn't uh, hurt, come back to hurt them um, too much. They came out with a win, and that was, again, the same thing you kept hearing, hey, it's a win. It's a win. It wasn't pretty, but it's a win. And they're 1-0, and they're going into the bye week. So, I, I – yeah, I mean, and they would have. Would they have liked to play better and and maybe execute some things better? Absolutely, but I think they're um, they're pretty happy with where they stand right now going into this bye week. You know, we're taping spotlight, and uh, 
a final thought here before I let you run, Jess. On the post-game show, uh, Gay Biker said something that we're going to get into quite a bit on Spotlight and that I talked about with Toby, too. A win is always good, but the Sooners get brought back to earth with this performance. It's a coach's dream going into the bye week. Got to keep working. I, I think Gabe's 100% right here, don't you? Yeah. It's funny. That's the first thing he said when he walked up to us to shoot his post-game hit. He was like, this is a coach's dream. <laughs> To get the win, but to have not played your best going into the bye week. Um, so, yeah, I think um, they'll get some things worked out. And again, you, you talk about the health situation. It's, it's coming at a good time, and you get refocused, and you get ready to go because there's not another one of these bye weeks, you know. So you got to be ready to roll from here on out. But you know, it's and it's not an excuse by any means. But you got to think, how tough is it to, you know, get so up for a team like Ohio State and then come back and, you know, I mean, and, and it's got to be hard to do, um, you know, for for those players, but you have no choice. Like, And, and I think as that was a good wake-up call is you better find a way to get up for it because if you let, you know, some of these teams get a little bit of confidence against you, and that crowd got really – it was behind it was the whole time. Yeah. And they even stayed after they lost and was, like, chanting and – you know, giving them a standing ovation. So you give teams a little bit of, um, you know, an inch, they're going to take a mile, especially on the road. So I think all around, um, you know, definitely was a good thing going into the bye week. Like Gabe said, I, it'll be interesting to see what the players have to say about how this bye week goes leading into to Iowa State next Hey, it doesn't matter that it's a bye week. We still have two episodes of the Sooner Sports Podcast coming up on the tailgate. We're going to bug Teddy Lehman to join us to talk a little bit more about what we've learned about this Oklahoma Sooner football team through the first four weeks of the season. Until then, thank you so much for downloading, subscribing, and listening to the Sooner Sports Podcast. And until next time, have a great week. And Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.